From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network studios in Des Moines, this is Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. In today's show, Andy talks with Mark Foster of AMVAC. I have the latest South America update with Allendale commodity broker Ben Breisch. And we have a special report from Russ Barker as he talks with Scott Kay of BASF at Commodity Classic down in Houston, Texas. Now here are your hosts for today, Mark Magnuson and Andy Peterson. Well, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but I'm going to say Uh-oh. it, and I'm going to say it out loud, Andy Peterson. Uh-oh. Is this our last blast of winter for the season? Uh, um, uh, be careful. Uh, you, you irritate Mother Nature, and yes. it will not be. <laughs> it is, you know, and at the same time, I should have seen this coming because I've been told many times over the years that it is very traditional for when the girls' state basketball tournament is taking place in Des Moines, that is when there is a some type of a storm. And somehow I think we actually are getting off a little bit easy this week as we're not having any snow right now. It is just a little bit cold. And our opening discussion here today brought to you by Sweetwater Technologies. Join in on the road to 1 million acres. To find out more, check out sweetwatertechnologies.com. Yeah, absolutely. And a 75 degree feels like temperature difference from yesterday at this time, which is crazy. Hopefully you got to see a couple of those temperature maps. They look like the rainbow as the wind chills were and the, and the change was moving across the state yesterday afternoon. But we'll be back to um, where we have been or close to it, at least by the time uh, tomorrow at this time rolls around as well. Lots to talk about here today, Mark. Great to have you along. Dustin is in uh, Houston, along with Russ at Commodity Classics, so we'll hear plenty of coverage from the center of the ag universe in the coming days on the Iowa Ag Matters program. Today, a new herbicide for soybeans, badly needed. We'll talk about that. But right now, we dive into the markets. What have we learned from the last couple of days of positive trade? Maybe not soybeans, closed a little bit off yesterday, but certainly it seems like the mood is changing, Mark, as you sit down now with Jim McCormick from agmarket.net. Joined today by Jim McCormick of agmarket.net, who is in Houston for Commodity Classic. Jim, what are we seeing taking place in the grains? A little bit of mixed trade overnight, Um, a little bit of consolidation, at least on the corn and the bean side of the equation. We did see a little bit of pressure on the wheat side of the equation. Um, We're through that gut slot of farmers that had to just make that bad decision, to be quite honest, Mark. It was either price these grains at really, you know, poor prices or make the roll. But they forced, you know, that deadline was yesterday for 98% of the elevators. First notice day for the March contract is tomorrow morning. So if you have a March contract, if you're long, you risk delivery if you don't get out of it today. So everyone was forced out. I think that hopefully relieves some of the selling pressure right now. The funds are still carrying that huge short position, but I'm not sure who's left to really add on to it. So we would hopefully look for this thing to start to bottom out sooner than later. And maybe try to get that spring rally we're all looking for. Jim, you mentioned the traders and kind of some the commitments of traders report that we got recently. I wanted to ask you, what did you, the takeaway from you specifically, you know, some of those numbers and some of those benchmarks, it was really pretty remarkable. It was incredibly impressive. I mean, I was surprised. I mean, the, to see the funds build this big of a short, especially this time of year, yeah, it's so, you know, that's what stretched this market down to the downside, which I know has frustrated so many producers. But, you know, I look at it, Mark, kind of like a rubber band. They've stretched it so hard to the bear side. I would expect them to kind of rebound at at least lighten up quite a bit, potentially go long. Remember, we've got a long summer ahead of us. I don't tell you out in Iowa, it is still very dry. So we'll see how the spring planting goes. We'll see how the growing season goes, but not just here, but also in South America. You know, the safrina crop still being planted. We got to see how that crop does. That's the crop gets exported. 
if their if their monsoon season would shut down a little bit early, that'll be a game changer. That could drive demand here. And then you also got the story that's going on in the Ukraine right now. Um, the president of the Ukraine was kind of mentioning, look, we've been able to ship a lot of grain out of the grain corridor that we've managed to carve out, but they're running out of weaponry, plain and simple. And he said, if we do not get more weapons, that grain corridor that we've managed to carve out could collapse on itself which means we may not be able to get as much product out of the country. If that would happen, that could bring demand back to the United States. So there's a lot of reasons that could change the psychology of the market with from so incredibly bearish to somewhat positive to maybe potentially very bullish, depending how the weather plays out this upcoming summer. Thank you to Jim McCormick of agmarket.net, who probably wearing shorts down there in Houston today, much warmer temperatures than we have here in the state of Iowa, of course. It is time now for the three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Remaining steady, the size of the cattle herd in Iowa and the United States, according to the latest cattle on feed report. Had uh, placements in January down about 7% from a year ago. Marketings in January were just even with a year ago. And the uh, that leaves us with an on-feed total for February 1 that's just a smidge higher than a year ago. So call it even uh, 100% of one year ago. Oklahoma State University Extension Livestock Market Economist Dr. Darrell Peel says the report did come in as the trade expected with a total of cattle and calves on feed for the slaughter market at 11.8 million head. Number two. Seeking applications for the Iowa Environmental Leader Awards presented at the Iowa State Fair, one of my favorite Iowa State Fair events, by the way. Iowa farmers and landowners who implement proven practices to incorporate water quality and incorporate farming practices that conserve and protect our natural resources are eligible for the award. According to Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nag, and Director of the Iowa DNR Kayla Lyons, you can find a link to the nomination form on our website at iowaagnet.com. Number one. Another component, perhaps, for our weed management portfolio, our friends at AMVAC, releasing Zalo herbicide, new for the 2024 growing season, according to Mark Foster. So Zalo is a multi-AI product uh, that will be available applied on glufosinate-tolerant uh, canola, cotton, and soybeans. This is a broad-spectrum, broadleaf, and grass-control product. It contains glufosinates that controls broadleaves, very broad-spectrum, and then contains two modes of action, both systemic and contact for grass. He says he encourages a tank mix with a residual for Zalo herbicide, and it provides, again, another component with some soybean herbicides in question or in doubt for upcoming growing seasons. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Are you ready to diversify your farm income? Sweetwater Technologies, powered by GRIP, is offering the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs turnkey owner-operated drone business partnerships. Together, we can grow and empower agricultural communities through technological solutions. It is our vision to build economic growth for future generations. Apply today to become a business partner and join our journey on the road to 1 million acres at SweetwaterTechnologies.com. Well, coming up, Mark Foster will join us with AMVAC. They've got a new option for soybean herbicide this year, which is welcome news given all of the weed control challenges that we've been discussing lately. You'll hear about it first in just a moment on your authentic, official, and trusted voice of Iowa agriculture. This is Iowa Ag Matters. 
to jump in now to another conversation. This time it's Andy Peterson getting the scoop on a new product from a crop protection company that, you know, when they release something new, it it, it is a landmark event. So we're looking forward to finding out about that. Here's Andy with AMVAC. Well, let's talk about a new uh, herbicide option for you. Great to hear from our friends at AMVAC as we continue, of course, to, um, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but uh, be challenged with weed control. Mark Foster with our friends at AMVAC to tell us more here uh, on Iowa Ag Matters and AMPM today. Mark, how's it going? Hey, things are great. The weather's starting to look a little bit more like spring. Absolutely. Starting to uh, feel like we should get in one of those things that's behind you there, the sprayer, and Maybe get out in the fields and uh, and get some pre down. So tell us about Zalo. Nothing nothing like this happens quickly. So I'm sure this has been a long time coming. Yeah, certainly we've been working with the development of Zalo for well over three years now, and uh, very excited to be able to launch this new herbicide into the market. Uh, Zalo herbicide is the brand name, and it will be available for farmers this upcoming spring. So tell us a little bit about it and um, how it's going to fit into our weed management strategy. Sure. So Zalo is a multi-AI product uh, that will be available to be applied on glufosinate-tolerant canola, cotton, and soybeans. And as you know, there's uh, certainly a high penetration of soybeans, canola, and and, uh, cotton that contains that trait enablement. This is a broad-spectrum, broadleaf, and grass control product. It contains glufosinates that controls broadleaves, very broad-spectrum and then contains two modes of action, both systemic and contact for grass. And that is brought to us by both the uh, quizalophot portion of Zalo as well as the glufosinate portion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously soybeans in, in Iowa is the big one that uh, we talk about. Resistance is a conversation that continues to uh, come up. Availability of uh, herbicides, it seems like with EPA is something that maybe come up. So uh, it's good to hear about uh, something that is going to be readily available readily available and and effective. Yeah, we're really excited about this product. It can be applied uh, two times, up to two times in crop on soybeans, uh, anywhere from emergence through flowering. And uh, we'll give growers the opportunity to to alter different weed control mechanisms uh, based on the weed species that they're seeing uh, uh, develop within their fields as the growing season continues. Mm-hmm. I would imagine a tank mixes as well and all of that good stuff. Absolutely. So the things that we would encourage growers to be looking at is tank mixing with a group 15 type product with Zalo herbicide. Uh, that'll offer growers some residual along with, uh, with Zalo, which is more of a contact product, allowing growers more opportunity to control weeds longer throughout their growing season. Mm-hmm. How do we find out more? Well, so zaloherbicide.com is a great place to learn more about the new product and uh, contact your local AMVAC representative or your local AMVAC retailer. Perfect. Mark, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me and uh, hope everyone's uh, doing well this upcoming spring up in Iowa. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily, 
Our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, along with a daily YouTube ag news program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Andy, enjoyed your conversation with AMVAC. I know that company, always very unique, how the products are tailored to the customer and kind of all in one package. Yeah, the Zalo herbicide, obviously a glufosinate, so a Liberty-type product that is a much-needed additional option given what's going on with dicamba and to a certain extent to 2,4-D resistance in order to be responsible and try and maintain the integrity of these tools. We head to Houston. Commodity Classic kicking off, and of course, we have you covered on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network in just a moment. It's time now for a check of the area basis prices across the state here on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. Taking a look at cash bids around the state, ADM in Burlington trading the May contract corn 21 under at 402, soybeans a penny over at 1131, Cargill and Eddyville trading the March contract corn 5 over at 413, new cooperative in Algona on the May contract corn 23 under at $4 even, soybean 65 under at 10.75, egg state in Sheldon on the March contract, corn 10 over at 4.18, soybean 68 under at 10.64, egg state in Alta on the March contract, corn 10 under at 3.98, soybean 62 under at 10.70, Cargill in Cedar Rapids on the March contract, corn 10 over at 4.18, soybeans 5 cents under at 11.27, Nexus Co-op in Marble Rock on the May contract, corn 20 under at 4.0. Three soybeans 55 under at 1085. Lincoln Way Ethanol in Nevada on the May contract. Corn 19 under at 404. ADM in Des Moines also on the May contract. Soybeans 20 under at 1120. New Cooperative in Red Oak on the May contract. Corn 23 under at $4 even. Soybeans 55 under at 1085. Mid-Iowa Co-op in Green Mountain on the May contract, corn 38 under at 385, soybeans 61 under at 1079, new cooperative in Sheraton on the May contract, corn 38 under at 385, soybeans 60 under at 1080. Lock-on Feed Ranch trading the March contract, corn 18 under at 390, soybeans 56 under at 1076. New cooperative in Glidden on the May contract, corn 23 under at $4 even, soybeans 55 under at 10.85. Innovative Ag Services in Farley on the May contract, corn 27 under at 3.96, soybeans 59 under at 10.81. Cargill and Muscatine March contract, corn 10 under at 3.98, soybeans 3 cents under at 11.29. Cash bids are subject to change without notice, so make sure to call your local elevator for the latest bids. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. That again was a check of the area basis prices here on Iowa Ag Matters. We'll go ahead and get ready for the next segment, segment four, which will have a conversation with Ben Bryce of Allendale to take a check of the South America weather and crop conditions. All that and more next on Iowa Ag Matters.
time today for our latest South America update. And today we are joined by Ben Breisch of Allendale as Riley gets the scoop on what's happening in South America, making some very fast progress through harvest and then jumping, of course, right into that planting of the second crop, Safrina corn. You're listening to Iowa Ag Matters. Here's Ben and Riley. Uh, First off, Ben, what's the latest weather patterns looking like in Brazil and Argentina? Right. So right now, you're looking at, um, you know, in terms of weather uh, and rain down there, you're looking at a little bit uh, drier as we go for the one to five day uh, in both uh, Brazil and Argentina. Six to 10 day um, does have a little bit more rain, which is nice. Um, and looking further out uh, into the 11 and 15 day, um, uh, slightly lighter, um, maybe about a quarter to an inch in northern Brazil uh, and maybe about half an inch in central Argentina. Um, looking out uh, in where the dryness is in those areas, um, you're looking in uh, the, the northern part right now is fairly dry. Uh, and looking at the history over the past few weeks, just of where uh, the rain, how we've been doing on the rain, it's been a little bit tight. So harvest should be uh, underway at a fairly quicker pace than usual, just because of the lack of rain. Uh, but we are still seeing decent numbers uh, in terms of their harvest uh, production. And when you're looking at uh, the estimates, uh, even though they are seeing decent numbers, they are still being cut. Uh, they aren't quite as much uh, as we have been expecting to be uh, to be seen uh, that we were looking at the beginning of the year. Right. And then just looking at those uh, harvest numbers, uh, just progress numbers from Brazil right now. You know, how are they looking on that harvest and then the immediate planting right afterwards? Right. So harvest numbers right now in Brazil. Um, you know, they're on pace. Uh, they're uh, they're slight, slightly ahead of pace, but uh, for where we're at this time of the year, there's no real, um, you know, major update out of them right now. I mean, like I said, the weather's been fairly favorable in terms of harvest, but in terms of the growing and uh, the production side of things, it's just been a little bit light on the rains. So, um, and in terms of planting, they should be able to have a quick turnaround uh, as they get going into that over um, the next uh, few months uh, as we get into the springtime here in the United States. All right, and then Ben, is there anything else uh, going on in South America right now? We know we're in a bit of a quiet period right now, but is there anything else that the markets are kind of keeping their eye on uh, for the South American news? Uh, right now, South America, what we're looking at is demand uh, in terms of, of where um, China could be buying because we aren't seeing that here in the United States. And with uh, the tightness of potentially supply that they will be having down there during this harvest season, you're looking at um, a little bit more um, uh, if we're not having demand here and China is going to be buying from South America, both Argentina and Brazil, if that if that crop is a little bit tighter, we could be looking for um, potentially a little bit more of a demand movement here uh, back to the United States. So big, the big thing that we're looking at in South America is their general production number. We've been seeing cuts and cuts in that over the past few weeks, sorry, over the past few months. And I think if that does uh, continue on its pace and we are looking at more of what the CONAB numbers are looking like uh, in terms of what their production is, uh, China may have to turn around and um, demand may be looking for a shift here in the United States where we've been lacking over the past few weeks. All right, Ben, lots of great information today. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to visit. For those of our listeners who would like to get in touch with the folks at Allendale, how can they do that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Give us a call at 1-800-2-MARKET. That's 1-800-262-7538. Or check us out online. We do some podcasts uh, as well on the Commodity Cast. And if anyone's headed down to the Commodity Classic in Houston, we will be having our booth down there. So come by and say hi. Thank you to Ben Breisch of Allendale for that South America update. Now it's time for the three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Remaining steady the size of the cattle herd in Iowa and the United States, according to the latest Cattle on Feed report. Had uh, placements in January down about 7% from a year ago. Marketings in January were just even with a year ago. And the uh, that leaves us with an on-feed total for February 1 that's just a smidge higher than a year ago. So call it even uh, 100% of one year ago. Oklahoma State University Extension Livestock Market Economist Dr. Daryl Peel says the report did come in as the trade expected with a total of cattle and calves on feed for the slaughter market at 11.8 million head. Number two. Seeking applications for the Iowa Environmental Leader Awards presented at the Iowa State Fair, one of my favorite Iowa State Fair events, by the way. Iowa farmers and landowners who implement proven practices to incorporate water quality and incorporate farming practices that conserve and protect our natural resources are eligible for the award. According to Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nag, and Director of the Iowa DNR Kayla Lyons, you can find a link to the nomination form on our website at iowaagnet.com. Number one. Another component, perhaps, for our weed management portfolio, our friends at AMVAC, releasing Zalo herbicide, new for the 2024 growing season, according to Mark Foster. So Zalo is a multi-AI product uh, that will be available to be applied on glufosinate-tolerant canola, cotton, and soybeans. This is a broad-spectrum, broadleaf, and grass-control product. It contains glufosinates that controls broadleaves, very broad-spectrum and then contains two modes of action, both systemic and contact for grass. He says he encourages a tank mix with a residual for Zalo herbicide, and it provides, again, another component with some soybean herbicides in question or in doubt for upcoming growing seasons. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Fascinating conversation there with uh, Ben from Allendale, Riley. Key takeaways as we uh, wind, uh, I don't know if we can say wind down, but certainly move towards uh, further completion of the South American harvest. Yeah, it's not quite winding down yet, but it is making a ton of progress, and they're making that progress really steady. And I guess the, the biggest takeaway would be, yeah, it's dry down there right now, but that is kind of beneficial to getting that crop uh, out of the ground. Now, of course, you know, with with that harvest, they just go straight into planting. So that also means it's quicker for getting that uh, second crop into the ground. Um, but then when we're looking at that situation in general, honestly, the markets aren't looking at it terribly much. And they're more looking at demand from South America. So that's kind of the big picture is, yeah, we're watching the crops, but we're really looking for that demand to come from down there. So 
You know, that's kind of the big takeaways from that. Up next, we'll have the Midday Markets with Mark and Andy. This is Iowa Ag Matters. This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Beans are currently up $0.07 cents in the front month at midday. Overnight, May futures worked from down $0.05 cents to up $0.07. Cents. Soybeans were down by 2 and 3 quarters to 4 and 3 quarters across the front months, while the back months closed unchanged on Tuesday. The May contract was up by as much as $0.16 cents for the session high. Soy meal futures were $3.10 to $6.60 weaker on the day. Soy oil futures held higher with 50-point gains across the front months. Traders are looking for the January soy crush to come in at 196.6 million bushels in the Friday Fats and Oils report. Brazil soybean harvest was marked at 40% complete by consulting firm Ag Rural. That was up from 33% at the same point last year. Front month corn is up four cents currently at midday. May prices traded from in a three cent range overnight from up one to down one and a half cents. The front month corn futures market had rallied by three cents. May prices finished three cents off their highs on Tuesday. Agro reported Brazil's corn planting at 73% for second crop, which is up from 59% last week and compares to 56% at the same time last year. First crop harvests reached 42% complete as of February 22nd, which remains ahead of the 27% pace last year. That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news. Yeah, Mark, let's start with the uh, cattle first. Daily estimated slaughter total numbers at 120,000 head. That's 3,000 less than a week ago and 5,000 less than a year ago. Boxes are mis- mixed at midday with select sharply lower, down $3.36 to 284.46 on 20 loads of movement. Choice boxes up 43 cents, 54 loads selling at 297.80 and the spread jumping to 13.34. As far as the pork side goes, we see daily estimated slaughter total numbers coming in at 490,000 head. That's 1,000 more than a week ago and 80-some thousand more than a year ago. As far as the cash markets go, let's wrap up yesterday's trade. Barrels and gilts, producers sold on a carcass basis, negotiated purchase-wise. Finished the day yesterday with 5,700 head and some change of sales. The weighted average price sharply higher, up 237 to 72.62. As far as formula purchases go, 157,000 head, so about an average run there. Weighted average price 77.93, so that market was about $2 stronger. As far as what's happening at midday here so far, over 5,400 head of negotiated purchases. Weighted average price up 82 cents to 73.30. Formula purchases about 110,000 head of sales. Weighted average price 78.56, so that market is about 40 cents lower. You might think Iowa just grows corn, but the truth is, corn grows Iowa. Hi, I'm Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, and the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Whether you're planting, harvesting, or anywhere in between, as a member of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, you're also actively advocating for our industry. As an ICGA member, you have a voice lobbying on ag issues at the state and federal levels on priorities that impact your farm. Join us today at iowacorn.org join. At midday, March corn is up five even at 4.13 and a quarter. March soybeans up eight and a half at 11.39 and three quarters. March soybean meal up $5.20 at 3.33 even. March soybean oil down 35 cents at 44.56. On the Merck, April live cattle down a dollar and seven cents at 186.65. 
March feeder cattle down $2.40 at $2.50.60. That was a check of the Midday Markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Continuing the conversation here with Jim McCormick from agmarket.net. Mark Magnuson visiting with Jim, focusing now on the livestock trade, gentlemen. Let's flip over to the other side of the ag marketplace in the protein sector. What's happening with the livestock? Overall, the livestock's had a heck of a run up. It's kind of consolidating here near term. Um, You know, if you're a producer out there, I think the common theme is maybe go ahead and buy some puts to protect yourself because we saw what happened, you know, a few six months ago when the market collapsed. But I think overall, though, I'd go with puts because you got to look at the trajectory of the market. It still continues to work higher on the cattle. Supplies continue to be tight. Overall, the demand seems to be very good. The GDP number came in a tenth below expectations. It came in at 3.2% GDP growth. They were looking for 3.3, but I'll tell you, 3.2% GDP growth, that is actually very good GDP for the United States. It shows the economy is growing. And if the economy is growing, that tends to mean people are going out and spending money, which means they tend to go out to eat, which tends to be very good for the cattle market. And what about the hogs right now? Right now, the hog market, I think the same situation, consolidating a little bit. It could pull back, but overall, I think the demand's there. If the cattle market holds in there, I think the cattle, the protein market as a whole will hold in there. So that will help support the hogs. And Jim, with that latest cattle on feed report, what was the biggest change in that report from the previous report or maybe something that caught your eye and you thought that was pretty interesting to learn in this report? Well, one thing was the placement number. That was the number we were noticed. It wasn't, you know, we did, we, the placement numbers were down, Mark. They weren't down as much as the trade was thinking, but it continues to be down which tells me this supply is going to continue to uh, tighten. And then it's going to get really interesting. I mean, this cattle market, you know, you're going to have to contract it just to expand it down the line. So, uh, you know, right now, I think this cattle industry, uh, it, it's going to be very uh, interesting long term. But right now, the supplies are tight. We're not placing the cattle. That's a sign that I think the demand, you know, excuse me, the supply will remain tight. If the demand's there, prices should stay uh, stay higher and you know probably work higher into the late summer. And I mentioned at the start of our conversation, Jim, you're in Houston for Commodity Classic. And I know you market guys, you're always looking for all the intel, all the information about the commodities and what's happening in the marketplace. What conversations do you anticipate you'll be having a lot this week, Jim? And what are you looking to find out? Well, I think what we, I think a lot of the conversations is going to be, you know, what is the, you know, a lot of producers are down here. What are things going to happen? Are we going to get a rally? What kind of game plan should I, I come up with? I mean, the reality is we know a lot of producers just did not get this grain crop sold very well last year. A lot of it was because of the weather it just kind of played havoc with people's minds. They didn't think the crop was there. It ended up being there. So I know we're going to have a lot of conversations with that, but not just in the 2024 crop, but really trying to position people on down the line in 24, 25. You know, if you look at the overall cycle of the market, Mark, we are transitioning um, kind of like we did coming out of 2012 drought to 2013, 2014. And we struggled in the sideways market for multiple years. We could have been, re- be repeating that. We've come off of this Ukrainian war high. The prices are breaking. If we would have a good crop per se, and we end up with normal to trend line yields, we are going to overproduce. The market's going to go down and we're going to try to give our best advice to help producers manage that risk. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. 
This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. We have the first of many updates from Commodity Classic coming up next here on Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Well, you hear them every week on Weekend Ag Matters, but it is time now to head to Commodity Classic, where Russ Parker, our special correspondent today, has his mobile microphone. He's checking in with Scott Kay of BASF as they talk soybeans and SCN. So we talked about soybeans today, and one of the points that you made was on the topic of SCN. So let's let's talk about that first, and then uh, some of the other things that you're doing with your kind of seed selection model for soybeans, and I've got a couple of questions there. Um, so thoughts on SCN? Yeah, so I think, you know, Mother Nature's never never done, right? There's We have lots of examples where resistance takes place, but I think one of the one of the things that wasn't talked about a few years ago, now probably is one of the hottest topic, is have you tested for nematodes or SCN on your farm, yes or no? And if the answer is no, then I would, and I'm, and I'm from Iowa, I would, I would probably find a way to change that. I would be testing to find out. That way I wouldn't know if I'm losing the first two to three bushels or not from my, from my plan for that given year. And I think it even, even gets worse if we have dry weather. Now you have a stressed plant already that becomes more stressed. So my two or three bushels might sound small today, but I think they can really add up if you get into a more stressful environment. And you made a good point during the meeting, too, that the testing's part of it, but the unknown loss is, is a whole nother dynamic. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of loss. So a 1,000-acre farmer could be losing up to $70,000 for, for, for those 1,000 acres. And so to me, that's, I wouldn't, in these times, I wouldn't want to lose that money. But it, um, you know, I think it's not too hard to test. And I think there, there's, and we have solutions if you find the problem. So at BSF, we're, we're really doubly committed, if, if I can say that, in that in 2025, we'll launch a new trait, or 2028 rather, we'll launch a new trait that will help farmers solve this problem. The other piece today, if you have it, we have Levo that if you treat with Levo, we can also solve the problem. And so I imagine by 2028, we'll, we'll be taking a dual approach to, uh, to, to managing cis nematode in soybeans. So let's kind of stay on the same track here and talk about the seed okay. side of the equation. So we learned today that you have a seed selection tool for soybeans. And part of the conversation was about selecting a soybean seed in the same way that maybe you select a corn hybrid in terms of its importance to how it's gone based on its performance. Uh, But my question is, what do you see down the road, especially, um, you know, we understand how soybeans are planted today. Most of them are drilled. What about this idea of putting different varieties into the drill? Yeah, no, it's a fascinating discussion, really. You know, we believe the, the two most critical decisions after you've purchased the bag of soybeans is seed placement and, 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 uh, and variety selection. So, 
if, if you didn't pick the right variety, then you got the first part wrong. So we believe the ag retailer is in the best position to, to, to utilize Zarvio Seed Select to, to work with the farmer on their fields and, and leverage BSF's knowledge, 20 years of history of, of data, put into an algorithm so they can make decisions two to three minutes per field max and, and thousands of research trials. And so we've been having this discussion about wanting the farmer's data well, I think BSF is reversing that. I think we're, we want to share our knowledge and insight to help the retailer and grower make the best decision. Thank you to Russ Parker and Scott Kay for that discussion from Commodity Classic. It is time now for our featured conversation here on IWAG Matters. There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. I have a Corn Growers Association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson. So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually a, a negative carbon emitter. And, and I managed to get to that point by a no-till. I use cover crops. I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in, and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no-till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture. We just try and do everything that we can to number one keep the soil on my farm, number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market, and you can learn more at iowacorn.org. Busy show today, Andy. Lots of content from Commodity Classic, and that's going to continue this week. Yes, it certainly is. Great coverage uh, from Russ. We'll hear from Dustin coming up, and uh, busy in agriculture. Nothing new there. We've got it all covered for you on your authentic, trusted, and official voice of Iowa agriculture. Mark, appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Riley, thank you as always, and thanks to you guys for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow on Iowa Ag Matters.